Hello, my name's Joe. And I'm Michael. And this is Interfilm Recommends, a regular podcast exploring new and classic titles for film club leaders to use with your clubs. Today's podcast is for secondary clubs. Our featured film is the new on DVD titled Departure. We'll also be looking at two films from our coming-of-age film list, Boyhood and An Education, and we'll finish off by highlighting a couple of new in-cinema titles. But let's tick things off with Departure. So Departure follows a teenage boy called Elliot, who, uh, whilst staying in his French holiday home with his mum, falls in love with a local biker boy. And we put this at 16+. plus. It's a 15 from the BBFC. Uh, but we just put it slightly higher because there are some quite adult and mature themes revolving around sexuality. So it's all set across a hot and hazy summer. And Elliot, our protagonist, is uh, quite a sensitive and romantic teenager. And both he and his mum, Beatrice, uh, you know, have their own issues to deal with whilst on, on this holiday. Um, so he is infatuated with a boy called Clement. And she has quite a messy marriage breakdown, as well as preparing to sell the family home. So here's a little clip which um, explains and gives an insight into that relationship. Did you pack? I read. I didn't feel like packing. Something edifying. How did you get so big? Incrementally. We'll start packing tomorrow, probably. All right. So we actually had um, both the star, Alex Lawther, and director, Andrew Stegel, in uh, our office uh, when the film was released, and we've got an interview with them, and we'll, um, we'll actually play a little bit from that clip later on. Uh, but first, let's talk uh, a bit more about the film. Yeah, so as that clip alluded to that we heard a minute ago, one of the things that this film deals with, which comes up in lots of coming-of-age films, is the issue of divorce and family separation um, and how that affects both Elliot and his mother Beatrice, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, definitely. And the, the film um, begins and ends with this shot of uh, Elliot um, having just dived into, a, I think it's a river, mm. But, so there's this underwater shot of him and that um, metaphor of swimming and sinking and drowning comes up quite a lot throughout the film. And it's clear that all three, well, all four of the main characters, really, if you include his dad who comes into it uh, later on and uh, Clement as well, they all have this, there's this idea that they're all struggling and struggling to, you know, breathe and struggling to um, deal with the issues surrounding them, really. Yeah, no, Elliot's quite, he's an interesting character, isn't he? He's quite a... Um... He's quite a tortured soul, it's probably fair to say. He's, yeah, um, so aspiring poet, and who did you compare him to? He did. To? Uh, well, he's kind of, I think he's you know, got a kind of Alan Ginsberg vibe to him. There's almost something slightly tragic. You could almost put a kind of Kurt Cobain figure in there with him. You know, he's a very sensitive, um, troubled young man, but also, you know, somebody who's very articulate, who's very creative. Um, and, and, you know, he knows... He has a fairly strong awareness of who he is, I think. You know, as, although this film is, you know, in some respects, you know, a film about sexuality and developing sexuality, I think what's unusual in this film is that Elliot seems to know exactly who he is. He's not... Would you agree? I don't know if... It, I don't yeah, think it's a process I mean, of him from coming the, out. From the very like. beginning, we, we're sort of aware that, that he's... Um, you know, that he's gay, and, but that he knows and understands this. And it never feels like, not that it's not an issue, but it's a, 
um, that that the film isn't really so much about that. It is about you know his attraction maybe, but not not in the same way that other um, LGBT or films about sexuality might be. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Clemon, his kind of you know point of infatuation, as it were. He's he's another interesting one. He's another one who's really out of kind of the you know. Yeah, the archetypal teenager really isn't he he's a bit more james dean he's a bit you know tiano reeves in my own private idaho if anybody has you know seen that film so these are both films with implicit or explicit um lgbt themes in them which i think this film is quite consciously drawing on and he's i don't think we're necessarily supposed to see him as real uh in inverted commas he's you know we see him as yes, Elliot like an sees him. Idealized figure. Yeah, exactly. This um you know, this yeah. uh the the sort of holy grail of, of teenage sexuality or something. Yeah. He's... Absolutely. And he enjoys playing with Elliot. He's quite you know, almost quite cruel. He's kind of you know, quite deliberately ambiguous about his own sexuality and his you know, and whether or not he you know, he has feelings um yeah, there's definitely, Elliot, there's but maybe he's figuring that out himself that's true there's definitely thing. teasing going on and sort of gameplay in between both of them but then it's quite an interesting one to think of from Clement's point of view because he has his own issues with um he's got an ill mum which we um learn uh towards the middle of the film i think and if you think of it from his point of view um the way both Elliot and uh Beatrice treat him um it's it's almost like they're just using him for their own ends as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, um, but but then the whole thing does have this sort of dreamlike feel. To the, yeah. the way it's shot, the way you know the landscapes are presented. There, you're not sure exactly, not so much if it's real or not, but how how um, dramatic it's supposed to be. And how, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And more. I think the summer comes into that as well. The fact that it is this hot, hazy southern France, you know. You know, yeah, summer and the blazing heat. It's a bit up. Uh, I don't know if you've seen My Summer of Love with um, young Emily Blunt. It kind of reminds me of that, that kind of hazy romance that, you know, develops amongst teenagers. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, the, the French setting is not a coincidence at all. It's very middle, a very middle class film. Yeah, yeah. And as are the characters. Um, it's funny, we'll go on to talk about a couple of other films and protagonists who are similar to Elliot in terms of their self-awareness and their intelligence in a minute. Um, and there's, there's you know, a fair bit of French language in this film as well. It's by no means, um, you know, an English language film, or exclusively English language. Mm. So there are plenty of themes um, and subjects to discuss here. And just to, just to wrap this up, we're just going to listen to a little bit of that interview we alluded to earlier. And this is the director uh, talking about some of the themes of the films and how, how he captured them. The theme of desire and longing is very much internal as well, so how can you successfully portray this in the action of a film? It's everything in, in terms of the identity of this film, so the landscape, the sense of um, anguish in the changing of the season, the sense of the character's position in the frame and in that landscape. Often it's about what isn't said. Okay, so now we're going to move on to look at our coming-of-age film list. Um, we should say that we've got a another film list um, on transition, and this is for uh, younger children in uh, younger films, really. But we define coming of age as uh, teenagers, so teenage films and teenage protagonists. And also it's defined by the transition from adolescence to adulthood, and that could be... Uh, you know, through um, a sexual maturity, a spiritual, emotional, or something else. 
Um, and these films often include things like, you know, family drama or leaving a home, new friends, young love, uh, death and, and other, um, you know, life defining moments. So we're going to kick off now with Boyhood. Yeah, so Boyhood is um, a film from 2014. Um, it's a 15 certificate and we got it aged 14 plus. And if anybody doesn't know, it's a quite remarkable film from um, American indie director Richard Linklater, where he essentially took a cast um, back in 2002 and shot them for a few days every year um, up until 2014. So it's chronicling this young boy's adolescence and it takes him on a journey from um, age six through to 18 uh, when he's just about to start college. And it's a really... Beautiful, remarkable film, as we'll um, get onto in a second. But first of all, here's a clip. So, what are you reading? Oh, uh, it's a Breakfast of Champions. Kurt Bonner did. I think my older brother likes him. I'm reading To Kill a Mockingbird for the third time. My friends make fun of me. I think I'm the only girl in the whole school who doesn't like the Twilight books. Have you read them? Sure haven't. I tried, but it was so cheesy. So, as I touched on just before that clip there, the production process of this film is genuinely unique, um, going back every year for 12 years and filming stuff. Um, it's a remarkably ambitious film, isn't it? But what I was doing when I was watching the film uh, again fairly recently is I thought, you know, as much as anything, just from a practical point of view, you know, films, when they're made, things go wrong or they kind of evolve in the editing process. What he doesn't have here is the advantage of going back and redoing things because it may have happened 10 years ago and, you know, it everyone's completely different people. So it's a fascinating film from a, in the way it's constructed. Um, but what it isn't is a particularly dramatic film or at least it's not dramatic in the sense that you might expect um it's very much about an ordinary boy isn't it and it's about an ordinary boy going through very normal adolescent journeys yeah it's 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 trying to sort of take a universal journey isn't it and Mm. and and have something that everyone relates to Mm. um i think that does that really well as you say the more you know the most dramatic it ever gets is to sort of family family drama it's not even just melodrama what it deliberately avoids i think are some of the kind of tropes of a traditional coming of age film um that you know some would have as the finest but in this film i think what Linklater is arguing and it's the smaller moments and those kind of inconsequential passings of time that really define who we are particularly at that age so we don't see his first kiss we don't see the first time he has a drink the first time you know the time he loses his virginity, any of these kind of perceived seminal moments in one's adolescence, it's much more about the kind of the everyday, but done in a really compelling way. Yeah, so dinner table scenes or going yeah. to the bowling alley with his dad and uh, yeah, absolutely. Like um, and it also touches upon kind of cultural landmarks. So we see, you know, allusions to the Harry Potter phenomenon or. George Bush presidency, the subsequent Obama campaign. Yeah, it uses music really well. So yeah. it kicks off with uh, Yellow by Coldplay, I think. And, um, it does. Mm-hmm. You know, to sort of get away with that is, I'm not sure you would in, in too many films, but um, it's a way of sort of chronicling how things change and, yeah, you yeah. know, trends and fads and, and things like that, really. Yeah, absolutely. But also, I think as the music goes on, as he gets older, it becomes a lot more personal i suppose i don't know i wouldn't be surprised at all if the actor ellie coltrane had a say in the music so it's almost as if you know his tastes are evolving um and he's becoming a much more 
creative individual. And it's really, really something to watch this young man, as well as his parents, actually grow up before our eyes. Um, what it doesn't do either is kind of do that normal cliche thing of saying one year later, one year later, which could get very tedious. It kind of passes a lot more organically the time. So it's subtle changes in his haircut or it's just in their setting. So it's, I guess, almost that time passing without us realising, which is probably how time passes in real life, really, particularly for adolescents. Okay, now on to An Education, which is a British film from 2009. And this is um, a Nick Hornby adaptation which uh, follows the life of Jenny in 1960s London. And her life takes a romantic turn on the eve of her A-levels. So she meets an older man, a 30-something man called David, and suddenly her life is turned upside down as she abandons everything she believes in to be with this man. So uh, this is a 12 certificate from the BBFC. We put it at 14 plus because, um, much like Departure, there are some... um, quite mature themes revolving around female sexuality here. Um, so probably not suitable for the um, for 11 and, and 12-year-olds. But this now is a clip of um, when Jenny and David first meet. Hello. Look, if you had any sense, you wouldn't take a lift from a strange man, but I'm a music lover and I'm worried about your shallow, so... What I propose is you put it in my car and walk alongside me. Okay, so we're back in Britain with this film and it's, um, you know, depressingly unusual because this is a female coming of age story, isn't it? Yeah, so um, not too many of them, certainly not um, like this anyway. Um, And this is a film that um, shot Carrie Mulligan to stardom, really, overnight success after, after this one. She's done so much good since as well. Um, but yeah, she's she's terrific in this. Yeah, very intelligent, very self-aware, mm. and so you completely. And she's also very, very likable and very charming. So you're completely with her when she makes this decision to, because um, she starts questioning her education and her parents and and the system really. Yeah, so we should backtrack a bit. So she's very much um, growing up in suburban London. It's um, set in the early 1960s, but the very early 1960s. So you know before the emergence of the Beatles and the counterculture and all of that kind of stuff. And it's a very kind of staid and. You know, rather, yeah, rather grey world, and she's kind of dreaming of freedom, really. Um, and David seems to offer that. It's you know, intoxicating world of jazz nights and auctions and foreign films and what have you. Um, and yeah, and she becomes very seduced by it, as most teenagers would, I think, um, as most of us would, indeed. Um, I think she trusts herself so much that she believes she knows more than her, her yeah. parents and her teachers. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, the lives, uh, lives they lead yeah. just don't interest her. And, and she sees this as, as a way out, almost, a way of escaping yeah. all that. Yeah, absolutely. And as the film goes on, she raises some interesting questions about her education and the education system itself, um, some of which you're, you know, inclined to perhaps agree with her about, others are a bit more... Um, troubling and perhaps a bit more naive. She has um, a particularly in- interesting dynamic with her English teacher, who yeah. is very much kind of, you know, the Jenny of, you know, 15 years older, perhaps, and 
And in some ways, the, the fiddle that Jenny fears she's going to turn into, but then it becomes something more complex and a bit more mature. Um, I yeah. think it's very much a film about somebody who thinks she's grown up, but isn't quite as grown up as she thinks she is. Yeah, exactly. That's a very good way of describing it. So lots to explore here. Um, directed as well by the um, Lorne Scherfig, who did The Riot Club and One Day as well. Um, so it's a, a really good track record of these type of films. Um, and as you say, li- you know, really good links to English and PSHE and uh, even careers as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so moving on to um, the new in cinema releases for this episode, um, we're going to stick with a coming of age film theme just briefly with the re-release of Boys in the Hood, which uh, probably no- needs no introduction. But if anybody doesn't know, it's a film from 1991, um, and it's the story of a young African American group of men growing up in South Central Los Angeles in the early 1990s, against a ton of morass of gangs and guns and drugs, and a very kind of violent and neglected neighbor. Um, it's a real classic of American cinema, a key film in black American cinema. It's been released by the BFI as part of their Black Star season um, and also to commemorate its 25th anniversary. Um, and it's a film that really examines the relationship between black communities and the police in America um, in a way that seems as urgent and relevant as ever. And um, if you've never seen it, I, I really recommend you, you know, try and find it on a bit stream while you can because it's a real treat. So the final film for this week's episode is Richard Linklater, Dream is Destiny. Now, this is a film about, rather than made by, the uh, indie filmmaker. Um, At the time of recording, this doesn't have a certificate from the BBFC, but we would expect it to um, most likely receive a 15. Uh, This is released on the 4th of November, and it's directed by Lewis Black, who is a longtime friend and collaborator of Linklater's. And he's also a co-founder of the South by Southwest uh, Music and Film Festival in America. We've already talked about Boyhood today, and this film dedicates uh, a lot of time to uh, looking at film and just what a, a risk it was for everybody involved and you know how um, interesting the, the, the entire production process was. And it also looks at many of Linklater's other films. So the Before Trilogy, which has ties with Boyhood, again, a, a really ambitious um, set of films. It looks at his early work, um, so things like Slacker and Dazed and Confused, which got the director noticed uh, by the mainstream. Uh, it looks at um, films as well that are considered his flops, at least commercially. Um, so things like A Scanner Darkly and Me and Austin Wells and a couple of others. Um, but, you know, overall it's it's about creativity and storytelling um, and self-expression. And maybe more than anything, it's about dedication uh, and the hard work it takes to, to be a director and make it... Um, you know, in the big time, I suppose. Uh, and it features uh, contributions from people like Ethan Hawke, Jack Black, Matthew McConaughey and Julie Delpy, all of which have um, worked with Richard Linklater on numerous occasions. So if you're interested in uh, filmmaking and and, and uh, the director as well, then this is a really interesting and engaging uh, film. OK, so that's everything for this episode. We're taking a break over the next month as we've got our Interfilm Festival. And on that note, do check out interfilm.org forward slash festival for any last minute tickets to over 150 films, including Departure and Boys in the Hood, I might add. So do go on and see what you can find in your local area. We'll be back in December with the final podcast of the term for primary clubs, and that's going to be focusing on Finding Dory and the theme of disability. 
In the meantime, check out our previous podcasts on SoundCloud, all of which are accompanied by show notes which link to resources, including film guides, film lists, blogs and video content. Yep, so thanks for listening and see you next time.